I wanted to go back to the beginning because I saw all, everybody getting into these New Year's resolutions and trying to make the best year they've ever had and trying to change this and do that. And I, I went to Deuteronomy explaining that the Bible says you are equipped. Everything that you need to know to make life good or bad, God has explained it in Scripture. Do this, you'll be blessed. Go your own way and you'll be cursed. And we see the world living that way. But how dare Christians live miserable lives because we don't know better when we do know better. We explain how Moses in, in that passage made it a choice. He said, choose you. It is a choice. Every one of us have a choice to whether we're going to do right or wrong. It's not a matter of knowing it. It's a matter of doing it. Week number two, we talked about how you are loved. This unconditional love in Romans 5. And by the way, you can turn to Romans. We're going to be jumping into Romans 3 and then 5. And we'll look at both of those. You are loved by God. And God's love is not conditional. We say it's agape love. It's unconditional love. But we went through how... Romans 5.8, but God commended His love toward us and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved you when there was nothing good to love. He loved you when you were rotten. He loved you when you were broken. He loved you when you were not serving. He loved you in that state. You are loved by God. That love for God is unconditional. That love by, from God is passionate. We talked about how Hosea, God said, pursue her, go after her, redeem her, buy her back. It wasn't a matter of God saying, come here, get your life right. No, God came after us, pulled us out of the pit. Man, made our, our, our path straight, loved us when we didn't deserve it. That's the love of God. You are loved by God. We ought to live like we're loved by God. Today is going to be truth number three. And then I'm just going to conclude with truth number four as we wrap things up. So I'm, I'm going to be really honest today. I am going to do a doctrinal study. And I, and, and which literally means that we're going to hit a doctrine in the Bible. It's not, not just like the story of Hosea. So what we're going to do, and I want you guys to be tuned in with me, we're going we're gonna to step back and slow down. And, and I want you guys to walk out of here as we hit this doctrine, which is a truth, a foundational truth in God's Word. I want you to be able to understand it. So today, I, I want you to soak these verses in, connect the dots, see what Romans says about our salvation, so that you guys can grow in this way. Made me think of this because Jen and I, a lot of you guys know, we're gone for our Christmas break. We always go actually after Christmas. We call it Christmas break. We go after Christmas. And we have a tradition that we go about four days to my parents and then four days to her parents. And we take that time just to stop in life, be with our families and things like that. It's, it's, it's awesome. And so Sunday afternoon, we, Sunday morning, we went to church. After church, we went to... Uh, out to lunch with my family, and then we had everything packed up, and we're driving to Georgia. So it's, thank God our families live in Alabama and Georgia, so it makes it easy. So we're on our way to there, and we're transitioning, and, you know, kids ate. We stopped at this gas station. It's about a four-hour drive. We got some snacks. Everybody got comfortable. The kids are in the back uh, seat, and I, I'm just cruising. Before long, I look over my shoulder, and everybody's sleeping, I mean, just, and, that, and that's okay. I, I wanted them to rest like that. And uh, I, I, thought, I thought it was pretty cool. I have the GPS going on my phone, cruising to Georgia. And, and I'm thinking, man, it would be so cool if I could get there and just wake them up and say, we're at grandma's house. Everybody get out of the house or out of the car. And it was that easy of a trip. Here, here, this is what I'm thinking, okay? So I, I'm driving and the GPS is counting down. And he said, we're five minutes away. And I think, now this is the time. And I'm proudly 
waking them up and reaching over the gym and say, hey, babe, we're there. And hey, kids, go ahead, get your stuff together. We're getting out of the car. We're at grandma's house and things like that. And so Jenny wakes up and she's looking around and she says, this does not look like my mom and dad's town. And I was like, proud. I said, babe, I think I found a shortcut. Um, we actually went on the other side. So we cut through all those swervy roads up through the mountains and things like that. And she says, Tony, I'm telling you, this does not look like my mom's town at all. And I said, babe, it has to be. We're three minutes away from your parents' house, okay? So she takes out her cell phone and, and puts in her mom and dad's address, and it says, recalculating, make a U-turn. And she looks over at me. Now, remember, we're, we're at her parents' house in Georgia, and she said, Tony, we are in Tennessee. We're not even in the right state, whether on the right city. And I am like, there is no way. I am, I am so frustrated. And I said, well, how far away are we? It said, recalculating an hour and 16 minutes away. So here's the thing. We had already called her parents and said, we'll be there soon. They were putting dinner on the table, okay? Everything was said. So here's the worst part. So not only does this happen, but everything was messed up to where I actually went around to the top part of the mountain part. So I had to drive completely all hour and 16 minutes was like this. And I'm not kidding. It is like this through the whole way. I'm frustrated. I'm telling Jen, there's no way I messed this up. What are you talking about? I, I did not ever touch the GPS. I never changed the address. I never. And then I looked in my rearview mirror. Have you ever had that moment? This is literally the picture I took when I was on the side of the road. New Year's Eve, the guy walks up to him and says, do you have any idea how fast you were going? I said, dude, all I know is I'm in, I'm in Tennessee instead of Georgia. I have no idea. I got a speeding ticket on top of being lost. He didn't judge me and say, preachers shouldn't get speeding tickets. They should know better. How many of you know better and have gotten a speeding ticket? Don't raise your hand. Okay, raise your hand. Go ahead. It's church. It's a safe zone in here. All right, everybody. That's what we do. I was distracted, I was frustrated, I was angry, I was, I was hungry, I was all of the above. Here's the thing, and I want you guys to get. In my mind, I was 100% sure that the direction that I was going was going to lead me to where I wanted to be. I, I had no hesitation, I had no fear. I was not frustrated. I was not questioning. I never pulled out my GPS to look at the map to see if I was in the wrong state. Nothing like that ever occurred with me. And here the thing is, I was going by my feelings and what I thought was right, and I was completely off track. Now, I've been doing this thing about who you are in Christ, but I think we have to back up a little bit and realize who you were before Christ. Before Christ, you were lost. And in our minds, nobody's ever, most people aren't going through life sitting there going, I don't want to go to hell today. I hope, no, no. In our minds, we're thinking, man, I'm on track. Things are good. Everything's okay. That is why it's so important that we lift up the Word of God and teach people and tell people the truth. Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing not by your opinion and not by Baptists and not by any other denomination, but by hearing by the Word of God. It's not about tradition or anything else. It's about truth. And the truth of the matter is I could have kept going and have never hit my destination thinking that I was doing the right thing. 
you're here today, I, I, I want this point to get across, and I'm going to get into this doctrine in a minute. But the, 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 the road to hell is paved with good intentions. It really is. Nobody ever goes to hell saying, man, I can't wait to get there. Or this is, you know, I don't care if I burn it out. Nobody says that. In their mind, they're thinking, I'm doing good, so this is going to get me there. And I'm, I'm okay. And I, I go to church, and I was baptized as an infant, and I, all these other things. None of those things, according to the Bible, will save you. But I tell you what will. I, I want us to lay this doctrine out, and, and to be honest, I even came in and told the guys, I said, man, I had this thought, and I got into one word, and I could not get off that one word. So I, I, want, I want you to remember this encounter with God, and, and I want you to understand truth number three today is you are forgiven, and I'll explain the story, how that ties into it. See, I was a sinner, I was messed up, I was lost in my sin, but now I'm set free, I'm changed, everything changed in my life. But what does that look like spiritually? I, I, allow me to explain this perspective. And uh, is Jordan in here? Where's Jordan at? My son. Jordan, come on up here, buddy. He knows about this. So don't, don't, um, I, I, I want to visualize this with you guys today. And uh, this is my little boy. Or I used to call him my little boy. He's not a little boy anymore. And so this, this relationship that Jordan and I have, and I, I love using my kids because of the fact that there's no greater illustration for you to comprehend or pull into your life of the pursuit of God or how much God loves you other than a father with his children, okay? And then there, there's, there's a bond here. I, I've loved him before he even knew that there was a life. I loved him before he was ever born. There's something that happens inside of your life with that. And so when we get in and we read verses that talk about you are the children of God, may that remind you of last week about that relationship that we have with God and that passion that he has for you. So I want to illustrate this as for this relationship between us and God. And, and, and to do this, Jordan, if you can hold that in your hands and understand this, because we're talking about forgiveness. And I want you guys to comprehend this this morning about our forgiveness on the path of life, the Bible says, and I, I gave you this last week, it says, as it is written, Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. That, that is saying that as much as I love Jordan, and that's what I tried to illustrate to you guys last week, that, that God loves you, and that just because God loves you doesn't change your condition. All right, you're just saying, I don't know how God would send me to hell if he loves me. That, that we, we have to illustrate that God loves you and the fact that that sin that we did, like we put up that petition between Morgan and, uh, Morgan and I and illustrated that, that sin is a problem for our relationship with God. So you go on, the Bible says there is none righteous, there's none that does good, there's nothing good in Jordan and of itself because he is a sinner. No, not one. Now listen to this, tie this into the story that I was telling you. There is none that understandeth. In my mind, I was thinking I'm on the right track. I did not get that I was not doing right. I did not get that I was off track. There's none that understand it. There's none that seeketh after God. I didn't wake up Jenny and say, hey, we need to turn back the other way. Because I was blinded, lost. That's why when we sing Amazing Grace and, and we sing those songs, I once was blind, but now I see. I could not get it. Sin will blind you. The one behind sin and Satan will lie to you. You're fine. Keep going, buddy. Don't worry about it. You're fine, buddy. Keep going. Don't worry about it. There's none that seeketh after God. 
Listen to verse 12. You talk about being lost. They are all gone out of the way. They're off track. They're in the opposite direction. This is me driving. This is the steps of good intentions. But I tell you, God loved this so much. Now, if we were to put Jordan in this direction, like he's going off track with his sin or whatever, this is what happened one day when you, when you encountered Jesus Christ. And I, I want everybody to get this. One day when you heard the weird word of God, whether it was through a gospel track or on the radio or you were in church or whatever, that was God coming up telling you you were going the wrong direction. The same way that when I was driving and Jenny pulled out her GPS to say, babe, you're going the wrong direction. I could have said, I don't care, I'm going to keep going. That would have made me a fool. An idiot not to listen to the voice that's telling me that I'm in, in Tennessee rather than Georgia. God did that. Just to get an idea, how many of you remember the day that God shook you up and said you're going the wrong direction? Raise your hand or say something, okay? Should be most of you or, or almost all of you. And I know that there's some that struggle with this, and man, that's part of the reason we're doing this today. But I'll tell you, the conviction is that in of itself, without God saying you're going in the wrong direction, and that's what conviction is, he wouldn't know. God reaches out in us to do that, I'm a sinner for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and you're way off track. Not even close to where you should be. You get into this forgiven. I want to make a deeper study of this because it goes deeper than forgiveness. I want to change our perspective of this. You don't have to turn there. First John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us for all unrighteousness. So in this relationship between me and Jordan... He says, Dad, I'm, I messed up and I'm sorry. Then I messed up and I'm sorry. The Bible says that God does something for us. He, he takes our sin. Now this is as far as most of us take our relationship with God, is this. The Bible says so much about this. If, if, it says He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Psalm 103 verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath He, listen to the word, removed our transgressions from us. Okay, this is cool. So Jordan takes this sin and God literally turns around and he confesses. He realizes, man, I'm lost. I need Christ. I'm, I'm, I'm going to die and go to hell. That sin in your life is a ticket to hell. It's not a matter of me not loving him, but I'll tell you, with that in his life, that, that is what dooms us for hell because that's what sin is. It, it, it's our condemnation. It's our wrong. God removes it. Now here's the thing. The Bible says he removes it as far as the east is from the west. This is just an illustration, so let me put it over there, and, and it's gone. But let me tell you something about all of us. He's going to sin again. And, and, and I, I want you guys to understand this in our life, because it doesn't just say that we're forgiven. There's something else that happens, and God knows that. It wasn't just a matter of removing it from our lives, because all of a sudden, if it was just wiping the slate clean... It, we would end up messing up again. But that's not what Christ did. It's not all that He does. Romans 5.1. Let me actually show you what forgiveness is through Jesus Christ. It's so different than the forgiveness of one another. The Bible actually uses these words when we're talking about true forgiveness. Therefore being justified by faith. Justified. More than just forgiven, you are justified by God. If we're going to break down forgiveness of God, don't let me lose here, you guys here, okay? I, I don't want you to go, man, I don't even understand that. That's why we're here today, okay? You came to learn. Justification is the act by which God forgives the unsaved person. 
and assigns to them righteousness of Christ when they believe by faith. So here's what Christ does. Justified means to be innocent or to be righteous. God not only removes our sin and takes my past and my sin and my failures and removes them as far as the east is from the west, literally meaning they're not to be seen anymore. It's not just about what God takes from us. It's about what God gives to us. I am made righteous in Christ. I am made right. The Bible says in Romans 5, 19, if you look forward, and all this comes together in this, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So I'm going to show you, God not only in Jordan's life and in my life, whoever accepts Jesus Christ, not only removed the sin from my life, he did something new. He made me righteous. Now here's what's so cool about this. It is not Jordan's righteousness that is given to him. Because I tell you what, all of your good deeds come and go. I fail, I mess up, I drop the ball, you guys do, I do. All the time. We, 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 we try. So how in the world does this change us? You look in the book that Paul writes, he writes to Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, and everything, and uses the word, to all the saints... The word saints means the righteous, the holy, the blameless. I'm going to write to them because that's who they are. It's this amazing thing that God relabels us or redefines us of who we are. He gives us his righteousness because of the fact that his righteousness does not fail. It doesn't fall short. It never messes up. It will never let you down. What's given to you is you were made right by Jesus Christ. You say, how does that apply to me? What, what goes on? See, the Bible says it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. Okay, so all of a sudden, we have this idea and we need to eliminate this problem that we have in our mind that it's being right or maintaining right or I, I, God's upset at me because I've messed up this week. It's not about your righteousness. It's not about the good that you have done. You never achieve your salvation by doing right, so you can't lose it by doing wrong. I know that, man, this is, this is a lot to take in. I know. But as we put this together, but according to his mercy, he's saved by, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Sin is removed. And the righteousness of God or His goodness or His right is now sealed in our hearts. You say, wow, that's, that, that sounds good, but what, what about myself? Because the thing is, in my life, I sin. Do any of you guys still struggle in life? Any of you whatsoever? Hands going up. Come on, guys. Put your hands up. All right, that's better. You struggle in life. Man, it's like here I have this, and sometimes I don't feel, even though I have the righteousness of God and I am made right, and when He sees me, He doesn't see me as a lost sinner. He sees me as a saint or blameless or, or, or changed by what He has done. He changed my condition in Romans 8.15 in the same Thing that he's teaching for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear but you have received the spirit of adoption 
where we buy, we cry, Abba, Father. Another thing that we have received through this of the righteousness of God is he reunites this relationship with us. We are now the children of God. Isn't it cool that God had to put it in a language that we would understand? Because sometimes when I'm thinking about the righteousness of God, he says, let me put it like this. I've pulled you into the family and now you are my child. You receive something that you do not deserve. We receive the spirit of adoption. The spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. All these things that God has given us. Romans 5.1, keep reading. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through the forgiveness of God, Jordan is not just forgiven, but Jordan is brought into peace with God. Now, you need to stop and look at the wording in this passage right here because sometimes we think we have the peace of God. All right, I have the peace of God, meaning that in my life, if I was to die, I'd know I'd face tomorrow. But this is not talking about the peace of God. This literally means in our relationship, I have peace with God. Meaning that when there was sin before, there was a division there. There there was something upset. God could not put his hands on sin. That's why he died for us to make things right. But there was a division there. But he said, because God looks down and he sees the righteousness because of us accepting Jesus Christ by faith, now things are right with him and we have peace with God. You say, what does that matter? That means that because we have the peace of God, it means quietness, rest. We made things right again. The peace of God is the opposite of fear. There should be no fear in this relationship. There's anything that I want from Jordan, I would, it would bother me to death for Jordan to come home one day and to sit there and approach me like, Dad, are you mad at me? Are you going to rip my head off? Dad, did I do something wrong? Not that Jordan doesn't... If you, never mind. We <laughs> Not that we don't mess up. Not that we don't make mistakes. But all of a sudden, because of the righteousness of God, there is no fear. L- listen to this passage. Herein is our love made perfect that we have the boldness in that day of judgment. Literally, one day when you stand before God, because He is, as He is, so are we in this world. You realize that with this, with the righteousness that I have in my life is now the righteousness of Jordan. I'm not talking about me as dad, but our relationship with God. God has made me like Him. One day, every one of us is going to stand before God, but God does not look down at you and see a sinner. He sees a saint. He sees blameless. He sees righteous. He sees clean. He sees change. You are not the same anymore. Not the same. See, what does that do? It brings a relationship. It brings an access. It, 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 it It says in that passage that now all of a sudden we have peace with God. There is no fear in love. Because perfect love casts out fear. Fear hath torment because fear is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. You realize what the explanation here is? The fact that God wanted a relationship with us. Let me put it like this. Before righteousness, there was fear. You guys realize that there was that idea that things weren't right and something in my heart knew that. If you live in fear today of God, something is wrong. Bible literally says that God casts out fear. He removes it from us. You know why? Because of the place that you are. I know this is a lot to take in. But look at where he placed us. Our forgiveness not only deals with being justified or being made right, it not only brings peace with our relationship with God, 
but now you are placed in God. Verse 2, Romans 5, by whom also we have access by faith into his grace. Now listen to this, wherein ye stand and rejoice in hope of glory. It's where you stand. Now I'm going to do this for the sake of illustration. There's something that God does in our life where he says, Jordan, this is your new place of belonging. So at our house, when Jordan was first born, which was almost 17 years ago, hard to believe, we went to Mark Carmel East Hospital, had Jordan, we came home, we had a place prepared for him. And what we did in that home is we prepared everything that he would ever have. Now, he did not earn it. He did not do anything to keep it. He did not maintain it. He offered nothing to us. But it was a place, if you want to put it, unmerited favor that was given to him. He was placed in the graces of his mom and dad, which literally means that his righteousness and the good and everything that we did for him, he didn't earn it. There's nothing that you can do to earn it. You're given to it without earning it whatsoever. It's the place that we abide. I still sin. I still mess up. But when we sin and we get mad and things like that, there's something greater in our life than my sin and my past and my mistakes. Look down in verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offenses might abound. So the Bible talks about the law that says, man, you are failed, you messed up, you're a sinner, you've fallen short. You are bad. That's what the law did. Do not do this, do not do that, do not do this. Realizing that we have fallen short of God. Now listen to this. Here's where it goes deeper into the explanation of this. That sin hath reigned, but where sin did abound. Listen to this, grace did much more abound. Literally meaning where your sin was, the grace of God giving you what you did not deserve, superseded, overcame, was greater, powerful, and bigger than your faults and failures. You did not just receive that when you got saved. That is where you stand. Every day of your life, God has pulled you out of the world and put you into a place of grace that we don't get or deserve or earn. That's why he says over and over again, he reminds us and says, you will have the righteousness of God. And he said, but God, I messed up. And he says, by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourself. It is the gift of God. You have the righteousness of God because God gave it to you, not because you're good. Not because you try to do good. And if you didn't get it to be good, you don't lose it for being bad. God gave it to you. It's his righteousness. It's consistent. And you say, but I mess up. Well, thank God the place that you stand, you stand in grace where you're at because I tell you sometimes I beat myself up thinking man alive how in the world could God love me look back at the verse Romans 8 verse 16 the spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God there's this thing that we we struggle with this and I know that this is going to be true with all of us man thinking that All right, God has made me righteous, meaning I'm right. God has placed me in the standing of grace, and I don't deserve any of this. And it's where I dwell. It's not just something he did for me one time. The love of God has cast the fear of God. I don't have to fear any of these things. There's peace with God where I can have this relationship with God, and I don't have to worry about all that. But then I mess up. And and there's this thing that we struggle with that we have the idea that is it, it, this is a license of sin. If I'm on my way to heaven, I'll do whatever I want. 
tell you, if Jordan and I had that relationship and he had no compassion for me and care about how, what he did to affect me, there'd be something wrong. The Bible says in that verse right there, the spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The word beareth, witness, literally means to testify. It means that there's evidence there. Meaning that literally because we're one and we have this relationship, when things are not right between me and Jordan, it bothers us. Something's not right there. It doesn't connect. If, you, if you've ever been in an argument or a fight or whatever with somebody that you love, you can tell things are not right. If, if you go up to somebody that you love and you say something stupid or abrasive and you walk away and it hits you in your gut saying, man, that wasn't right, you go back to them and say, Dude, I totally got in the flesh. I totally got irritated. I should have never said that. I am sorry. It's the way it should be. Because that righteousness that dwells in him, you could say the spirit of God that dwells in him, my spirit is for being God, bears witness with his spirit. There's a testimony, a union there. And when you do wrong and you're in the world and things are upset because of this fellowship, this unity, this peace that's there, it shakes you up to say, that should not happen. It should be there. The Bible says that this is the evidence of God in our lives. Man, God speaks to me. The Spirit of God reminds me this is not right. It's no longer about the law. I'm going to do right because I have to. No, it's about a relationship. I'm going to do right because I love you. The, 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 they struggle with this so much that in the following chapter, they were like, so you're going to sit there and say that I have the righteousness of God and I'm forgiven and I'm accepted and I'm loved and I have the peace of God no matter if I mess up or not? Well, then I'm just going to go off and sin and do whatever I want. The next chapter in Romans chapter 6, verse 1, we have one of those passages that remind us that he was confronting them. He said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? You're going to say that you're going to keep doing wrong just because you're standing in grace? You're, you're going to keep doing what you want? The next ver words, and you guys know this well, God forbid, how shall the we that are dead to sin live there any longer? Literally saying, if there's something real in your life, let me tell you, this righteousness of God will bring alarms to your life when you are not doing right. Because if you step in the sin in your life and you're living in an affair or you're going out stealing stuff or you're taking or whatever and it's not right, God will let you know. Because the righteousness of God is going to speak to your heart about the relationship that you have. Let me be really blunt with everybody in here. If you can walk out of here and know right and wrong in your heart and you can go out and do sin and you can live in the world and you can rebel and you can do everything else and no alarms go off, something's missing inside of your heart. People sit there and say, well, I, I don't understand. I, I, I am saved. If you are saved, let me tell you, you are justified, which literally means God put his righteousness inside of your heart. If the righteousness inside of your heart, which is the presence of the Holy Spirit, which is the righteousness and everything that He is, and you can step in the world and you can sin and live it up and do whatever and nothing goes wrong, to say something is not right, something is wrong in your heart. And it scares me to death to have to go out to people that get out of church and they, 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 they sit there and get mad at you to witness to them or pull them back. Get off my back. Who are you? Man, what is missing in your life? I'm not saying that we're always going to be perfect and I'm not saying that we never mess up. But I am saying that if that is there, something's going to remind you that things are not right. 
He said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No, let me remind you, you're dead to sin. You realize that God said, I took that out. Remember, it's not even there. Why are you living for something that's not even there? How can that have a grip on you when there's something greater in your life that's taken over your life? That's why the Bible talks about the renewing of your mind. To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and might. God steps in and He changes us. This is sanctification. This is the fact that the righteousness of God begins to change every aspect of your life to make you more like Him. To grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is right. And go on and on and on about this stuff. But it's important. But look at verse 9. Much more than being justified by His blood. He says, let let me tell you that. Let, Let me explain. Let me take this past. Jordan, you're in the grace. You grow in grace. You don't deserve any of this, but because that's where you stand, that's the position that Christ put us. If any man be in Christ, you have the righteousness of God. You have peace with God. You have a knowledge of God. You have an awareness of sin. All of these things are there. All these things are true. And all these things are present. Now, because of that, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Now, here's a word that we use all the time. Glory, I'm saved. Thank God I'm saved. Praise the Lord, I'm saved. How many of you are saved? I'm glad I'm saved. And we use that word saved all the time. But what does that mean? That means that all of this has an effect on you for all of eternity. If you look at this, much more than being now justified, okay, in the present condition of where you're at, Jordan, right now, because God took the sin out of your life, cast it as far as east from the rest, stamped His Spirit inside of you, which was righteous, placed you in grace, because all of that is what God did. He said, now because of that, you shall be saved from wrath to come. You are saved. Now this is something hard to understand. Because it says, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more than being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received atonement. You are saved. It is a term that we sing, it's a term that we say all the time, but can I explain to you what the word saved means? Have you ever looked it up and you said, what what, what does that mean? Here's what it means. It literally means to deliver, to protect, to be safe. I'm going to close this out, but I want you guys to hear this as I do. And Jordan, you can be seated. I want to pull this back out here. One day because of this, I'm going to stand before God guilty if I have this in my life, okay? And I I kind of explain this, okay? One day. And I want everybody to understand this right now. The Bible clearly says that one day we will stand in judgment, literally meaning that all sin in this world, Satan, everything else, is going to come to the point in our life when we come before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. We will be accountable for our sin, every one of us. If you go through life to come before, between the end of your life and you are still guilty of your sin, you will stand in condemnation of that because God is a just God. You will be punished for your sin. You say, I don't believe that God would do that. 
Let me explain it like this. If you were a good person your entire life and you, you went to church and you gave and you worked on buses and children's church and everything else and then you went out and murdered somebody, okay? You lost your temper. You murdered them. You are guilty of that murder. And you went before a judge. Do you realize that you were going to be found guilty of that murder whether you did all the good in your life or not? And if you did go before that judge and he was to sit there and tell that family, yeah, but look at all the good that he did. I'm going to throw out this murder charge and let him go. He would not be a just judge. He would be wrong. See, our judge one day is a righteous judge, which literally means he makes the wrongs right. Because of this in my life as a Christian, that one day I'm going to come before him, and when he looks out at me, he's going to say, he is safe. He is saved. There is no wrath to come for him because his sin in his past is made righteous under the blood of Jesus Christ. Not because what I have done, because it's not by works of righteousness, which I have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. The question is, will you either stand before God guilty of your sin, or will you stand before God in his righteousness? Not yours.